Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And a good morning to everybody out there. Welcome to yet another edition of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 F in the Key. Also, we are proudly sponsored by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, your official after party for the Columbus Rapids. On the show today, I have Gabe Reynolds, the longtime colleague of mine from Freed Harbin University, and now the women's head basketball coach for Ezell Harding Christian High School out of Nashville, Tennessee. Gabe, I am ready to really talk about this Warriors-Grizzly series because, quite frankly, that's the only series right now that's even worth watching. I'm ready to get dialed in and talking about that. John Moran, the suspension to Dylan Brooks, the Warriors and the Grizzlies going toe-to-toe and is going back to game three in San Francisco. Can't wait for this weekend. Now, the Grizzlies had to get game two. Dylan Brooks set the tone early in that game with that hard, flagrant two foul, and that just sent a message that the Grizzlies can get physical with the Warriors as well. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm a Warriors fan. I know you're a Grizzlies fan. I just am excited to see a great series because the other series is, come on, let's be honest, Phoenix is going to beat Dallas. You got Miami's going to beat Philly without Joel Embiid, and Milwaukee's going to beat Boston. I know they got one in Boston, but I think that those series are not competitive at all. It's all about this Warriors-Grizzlies series, and I cannot wait for game three Saturday night in San Francisco. I mean, right now, like you said, it's it's the most watched series right now, and it's also probably the most entertaining series. You go back to uh, the first round with the Grizzlies, they were down in mostly every game except for game two. And then in the second half in the fourth quarter, John Morant and the Grizzlies come alive. The, the Warriors are pretty much the same way, but they have that championship DNA. All I've heard this week is the Grizzlies are – ahead of schedule. The Grizzlies are ahead of schedule. They're still young, but they're like, hey, we got something to prove. We didn't just get this two seed just to be getting it. Like, we're, we're here, and we're we planning on being here for a while. Like, we get we get it. Golden State, you got the Splash Brothers, you got the championship DNA, you got the uh, world championship winning head coach, but we got something to prove. So when you come down here, like, you're not going to just Come through here and beat us 4-0 or 4-1. Like, you're going to earn it. If you're going to beat us, you're going to earn it. And you gonna, we're going to make you earn it. And we play physical. That, that's one thing the, the Warriors don't like. They don't like the physicality. And, and Steve Kerr even said it before game two. He was worried about how physical the Grizzlies were going to come back out. Now, we didn't mean to come out that physical and injure anybody. You never want to see anybody get injured. Or, or taken out like that because that's a that could be a possibly career-ending injury that Gary Payton the second got. But 
everybody's saying that was a, a hard foul. That was a malicious play. Well, Jeff Van Gundy said something earlier this week on one of the one of the talk shows with ESPN Radio. If Dylan Brooks actually makes that block, we're talking about how great of a defensive effort and a hustle play that was. But because he missed about one inch and hit him in the head, which wasn't intentional, he was going for a block. He wasn't intentionally trying to hit him. This ain't like Kirk Rambis uh, getting knocked out by Kevin McHale back in the 80s or or Bill Lane Beer and uh, Rick Mahorn knocking Michael Jordan to the ground and Scottie Pippen across the head. This was a basketball play that just so happened he missed and he didn't intentionally hit him, but unfortunately, GP2 got hurt. So Draymond Green out here, I mean, it's not, go back to game one. If Draymond Green didn't pull the guy down and um, he didn't he didn't bounce right back up, nobody's talking about that. But let, let him get hurt. Now Draymond Green is being physical. He's being dirty. You give and you take. You can't. You can't one minute say, hey, well, they're playing dirty and this and that when you got one of the dirtiest players in the game on your team. So that's just, it's just basketball. Let's just, let's just play basketball and just let it go. Now, outside of that, it's been, too, it's been a great, great series. John Morant, Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson, Jaron Jackson Jr., um, both both benches on on the teams like it's been a great entertaining series all the way around. And because of the physicality, of course, Dylan Brooks has been suspended for game three against Golden State. With the physicality and uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson has really has had to work for their shots. I mean, they have had some unconventional things happen in this series. Clay Thompson missing two free throws. You had Steph Curry missing wide open shots. Are the Warriors due to start dropping their shots? Or because Memphis have the confidence knowing, even though they're going to Golden State for games three and games four, does Memphis have the confidence to try to steal one at Golden State? I think so. I think Memphis Memphis has won out there earlier this season. So it's not like they're going out, they're going to a place where they they haven't won and they don't know the crowd. They know it's gonna what it's gonna be like. They know it's gonna be loud. They know their fans are gonna be into it. They know they're gonna have added motivation because Dylan Brooks is out. So they got something to play for. But I think I think the Grizzlies can go in there, steal one of these two games out there, possibly get three games because neither game has been a blowout. Both wins by both teams have been by a combined five points. So it's not – it's been five points. One point in game one, four points in game two. It's, it's, it's still anybody's game. And even when uh, either one of those teams get down by double digits, they're never out of it. You, you, can, you can be down 20 to the, to the Warriors, and if Steph, Clay, and Poole get on, and they can, they can shoot themselves with, right back into the game. Then you got the Grizzlies. Like you're like, man, they're out of it, and they proved in the first round against Minnesota that even down twenty, they're never out of a game. So Memphis, I think if Memphis doesn't get there, I don't if they don't get game three, they'll get game four. But I think Grizzlies are going to try to get game three 
and put the pressure back on Golden State. And, of course, Game 3 will be on ABC at 8.30 p.m. We did have two series last night uh, with the Miami Heat and the 76ers, the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. I'm looking around at the NBA playoffs. Um, is there a series that you're even intrigued at? I mean, Milwaukee and Boston are tied at one apiece, and they play Saturday as well. Is that an interesting series, or is Milwaukee just the better team? It's an interesting series because you don't know. Boston, they're going to make it physical. They're going to make Milwaukee work. Giannis has not been the same uh, in the postseason that he's been in the regular season. Uh, and then without uh, Middleton, you're trying. You're asking Portis and other players to step up. So right now, Giannis is a one man is a one one person show. Grayson Allen, he he's going to do what he can, but you need Middleton back, and you don't know how much longer they can go without him. Portis is doing what he can, but Portis is not Middleton. You need Drew Holiday to uh, actually step up more. Holiday needs to be more of a, a scoring option. But Boston, you got – it's pick your poison. You got you got Tatum. You got Brown. You got Smart. You got Horford. You got Williams. It's a lot over there on that Boston side. And their coach, you know, in the season, everybody was wondering, like, what's going on with Boston? What's going – now Boston is playing lockdown defense. If you actually look at Boston – the way that they're playing, they remind you of the Spurs in the early 2000s when Pop was winning his championships. They're playing, and they're playing with defense, and their defense is uh, leading to their offense. That is a very interesting series. And, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on, on Philly and Miami, especially. So Philly is 2-1. to one. You also have Phoenix up 2-1 in Dallas. Dallas kind of reminds me a little bit of Denver, Gabe. Denver had Nikolai Jokic, and he was the only answer that the Nuggets had. And with Luka Doncic, he has really been the only scoring option. I know Brunson had a good game a couple of games ago, but does Dallas even have a shot at getting back in this series with a healthy Devin Booker as the Phoenix Suns have a 2-0 series lead? Or, you know, they have a 3-0 series lead. I think Dallas has a chance, but it's going to take more than just just Luka. Luka can only do so much. And I think the way that uh, the Phoenix is playing this series, they're going to let Luka get his and just stop everybody else. They're not letting Brunson get off. They're not getting. They're not letting any of the other role players get going for uh, Dallas. Dallas has no help around Luka right now. And Luka's getting frustrated. He's very frustrating. They got to uh, – that's something that Dallas may have to address in the offseason. But right now, I think they'll get one. I think that'll be the only game they get. I think uh, Phoenix will win 4-1. Phoenix is on a mission. They're on a mission this year. So, Gabe, who do you got in the NBA Finals? That that's That's tough. I mean – I think for the Western Conference Finals, uh, it'll be Phoenix and Golden State. And I think for the Eastern Conference Finals, it'll be Boston and Miami. Now, once we get there, I can give you my take on who will make the finals, but I don't want to jump the gun too soon. 
Oh, yeah, I, that, that makes sense. But, you know, Gabe, when we're having an NBA playoff show, it would not be an NBA playoff show if we did not talk about the offseason and all the drama happening with the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets is another story. But the Los Angeles Lakers, I heard word that they are consulting with former Lakers head coach Phil Jackson on the coaching search. Kind of reminds me of that documentary with Winning Time on HBO. I've been really fascinated by the Showtime Lakers in the early 80s. But I'm going to make a bold prediction here, and you tell me if this is crazy or not. Phil Jackson is going to be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, nah. I don't think anybody's going to take that head coaching job until they know what's going to happen with LeBron James. Because here's the thing. Think about it. Every time LeBron James is gone, he's only doing his two-year deals, right? He's yeah. past his crime. That's that just called space space. He's past his crime. LeBron is on a on a he's got one year and his contract is over and he can walk away. So you don't want to be that coach that takes that job thinking you got LeBron James locked in and then he leaves at the end of the season. And you have nothing. Think about when he went back to Cleveland and they brought in Ty Lue. Yeah, Ty Lue won championship, he re-signed, and then what happened? LeBron left. And then Ty Lue got fired. Go back. You know, other than Miami, Eric Spolster's the only one that has stuck it out. LeBron has been a coach killer everywhere he's gone except for Miami. But the only reason he couldn't do that was because of Pat Riley. I don't think Phil Jackson is going to go back because, one, you only got LeBron. You don't know if he's going to be there. And you have no supporting pieces around him. Everybody on that team is past their prime. Now, I did hear Stephen A. Smith say earlier this week on first take, trade LeBron James. Because if you trade him, you can get assets for him. But if you let him walk, you get nothing. I would trade LeBron James. And I would trade him and get either picks or I would get players and picks. And then, then I would go out and hire a new coach. Because un until then, nobody's going to no, – I don't care if you consulting uh, Phil Jackson, Bill Belichick, whoever. You can consult Greg Popovich. No coach is going to – a coach will go take the Clippers jobs. Players will go play for the Clippers before anybody goes to the Lakers right now. The Lakers are in turmoil. I would rather go to Brooklyn before I go to the Lakers. I would rather go to the Knicks before I go to the Lakers. I would go to Houston before I go to the Lakers. I would go play in China before I go to the Lakers. I wouldn't touch the Lakers right now until they rectify their situation. And consulting with Phil Jackson, he was a great coach. But he was a horrible GM. Just go back and look what he did in New York. Why would you even consult him at all? And the Los Angeles Lakers, they have this great tradition in history. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've been intrigued by this winning time documentary. Like 
that portrays the Los Angeles Lakers when uh, Dr. Buss bought the team. And this documentary, say what you want. I mean, I, it's obviously not for kids because it's got some adult themes, but I am so fascinated with how the Lakers and Magic and Kareem actually worked together and how they had to deal with the whole Spencer Haywood. Gabe, I immediately Googled Spencer Haywood. I wanted to check and see if, the, if he was still alive because of everything that happened with him with his drug problems. I was like thinking, oh, uh, let's talk about the Lakers owner, Jeannie Buss, because, you know, in the Winning Time documentary, they are making her look really good. Like she is like a saint. I don't know the relationship that Dr. Buss had with his other children, but he had a very special relationship with his daughter, Jeannie. And when he passed away in 2013, it just wasn't the same. The Lakers, his love for the Los Angeles Lakers what drove the Lakers' success, to do whatever it takes to get Shaq in 1996, to do whatever it takes to trade Vladi Divac for Kobe Bryant. And they did the same thing getting Pau Gasol. Kobe Bryant had his running mate in 09 and 10, and the Lakers won two more titles. But they haven't done anything since 2013. I Yeah, I admit they did go to the playoffs, and they did win the championship in 2020 in the bubble but i mean come on you gave lebron and ad four months off i mean they could have easily won that and it didn't matter who their coach was but the lakers and i look at them same as the yankees anytime you get this historic brand of a franchise and you know the expectations every year is to win championships the Lakers have just have not been run well since Mitch Kupchak stepped down as GM. And quite frankly, to be honest with you, they haven't really done anything since Phil Jackson stepped down as head coach. Agree. Agree. That's why I said the Lakers are a mess. Think about it. Everything you just said, everything you just said, ever since what? Kobe retired in what? 2015, 2016? Yeah, 2016. 2016. The last good Lakers run was what, 2012? Yeah, it was about 2012. So it's been 10 years since a good Lakers run. That they When they won the championship in the bubble, everybody had like three months off because of COVID. And you only had to play a certain amount of games. So I would put an asterisk by that championship. Absolutely. I'll put an asterisk by it. But even even at the end of Kobe's tenure, Kupchak was trying to put pieces in place, but Jenny Buss was kind of like she was listening to too many people. At the time, she was listening to Phil Jackson, who was on the other coast, running the team into the ground in New York. And New York is just now getting their foot back under them. So... Even that's why think about it. Magic stepped down because it was too many people trying to tell her what to do. Yes. That's why Magic left. So now you have um the GM that you got now that was once Shaq's agent when Shaq went to LA trying to build a contender, but he can't even do the job because LeBron James has too much power and too much say so. So it's like, why would anybody want to do anything as long as Jenny Buss is allowing all the outsiders to run her team? You're right. Dr. Jerry Buss was there. 
he listened to the outsiders, but he also listened to those in his in his inner circle. Jerry West played for the Lakers. The NBA logo. If he talks, you listen. You listen to Jerry West. That's why they brought him to Memphis as yeah. a consultant. That's why Golden State had him as a consultant. You listen to what Jerry West has to say. But look at what the Clippers are doing now. Steve Ballmer has gotten the Clippers to be more relevant in L.A. than the Lakers. The Lakers is just the name you know. But the Clippers are the better product right now. Think about it. Kawhi didn't go. He went to L.A., but did he go to the Lakers? No, he went to the nope. Clippers. Did Paul George go to the Lakers? Nope. Nobody wants to play with LeBron. Nobody wants to go to the Lakers. Everybody said nobody wanted to play with Kobe, but people came to play with Kobe. Everybody loved and respected Kobe. Nobody wants to play with LeBron. LeBron didn't get nobody to come with him to Cleveland. He had to go join D-Wade and form a super team in Miami. Nobody's coming to play with him in Los Angeles. At this point, you might as well trade LeBron to Utah, get Donovan Mitchell, or trade LeBron to Portland, get Dame Lillard, and just rebuild from there. Because if you don't, it's going to continue. The, the Lakers franchise is going to continue to run into the ground. And at this point, the Buffalo Bills may win a Super Bowl before the L.A. Lakers win another NBA title. Actually, Gabe, I like that pick, <laughs> Buffalo, because, you know, look how close they were against Kansas City. And they have the quarterback now, Josh Allen, Vaughn Miller on the defense. Oh, man, Gabe, I cannot wait for to get you back on this podcast. We could talk some NFL you got the schedule release coming up next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We definitely, hey, we definitely got to talk about the Titans and uh, what they did getting oh. Malik Willis in the third round. That was a steal. I think that he is going to compete for the starting job against Ryan Tannehill. Look, Tannehill didn't do anything against that uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals in the wild card game. He didn't do anything, and. With Malik Willis, with his throwing capability, yes, he is a project, but he's got a lot of upside. He's got a great arm, and I know they don't have A.J. Brown, but they still have Derrick Henry, and uh, they still have a great team. I thought last year they won in spite of Tannehill. What do you think? I think Tannehill was a great game manager last year. You're right. They won in spite of him, but they have pieces around. Uh, even when Henry got hurt, you still had other pieces around. Now, the Titans kind of let a lot of those pieces go. They really let a lot of those pieces go. So it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm excited to see Malik Willis. And Malik Willis in the backfield with uh, Derrick Henry. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if Tannehill goes out in the first game, has a, has a horrible multi-interception game, or – the first three weeks, they got, I think the fans here give him three weeks. After that, if he's not doing well, they're going to start clamoring on the radio shows. The fans, they're going to start saying, put in Malik. Put in the future. Because basically, remember, Tannehill only got the job because Mariota struggled. So he didn't earn it. He just took it. He got, he got an opportunity and never let it go. So if he struggles and they give Willis an opportunity, Willis can run and throw, and from what they were saying, 
Willis was a projected first round pick. He fell to the third round. He ain't got to do a whole lot. They're not asking him to go out there and win all the games. All he got to do is just be a game manager. Turn around and get a ball to Derrick Henry. And you get your receiver that they just drafted out of Arkansas, A.J. Brown Light is what I'm going to call him. See what he can do. And the Titans may have a special uh, a special season going. Yeah, that would be great for Tennessee Titans fans. I know you live in Nashville. I know the Nashville Predators are in the NHL playoffs against the Colorado Avalanche down 0-2. Is there any buzz in the city of Nashville for the Predators? Or a- I've probably been to about 30 games over the past four years. No, the Nashville Predators, I mean, they're down 0-2 to Colorado, but the series is going back to Nashville. Gabe, what do you think? Does Nashville have a shot at, at taking the games in Nashville? Nashville's got a shot, but, I mean, um, it, it's unfortunate that um, the last home game I was at when they played Calgary, um, they lost UC Soros to a high ankle sprain. And at that time, the Preds were the first wild card team, and they were projected to play Calgary. They went down there. They just they went to Phoenix. They just needed one point, and they couldn't get that point against Phoenix. So now they're playing Colorado, which they should. Dallas should be playing Colorado, and Nashville should be playing uh, Calgary. But to digress. That first game, they threw up they the goaltender that they put out there just had a rocky start. Like he gave up five goals and then he got pulled. And then Ingram is in the game now and he's playing well. I think Ingram coming back and playing in front of that Nashville crowd on tomorrow night, that's gonna give Ing, Ing they already gave him a nickname. His name is Ingy. They call him Ingy here in Nashville. Ingy's gonna feed out that energy, that emotion of being back home in the friendly confines of Bridgestone Arena, and Smashville is going to be loud. I'm going to be at the game tomorrow night. It's at 3.30, 3.30. I'm going to be there. That crowd is going to be live. That crowd is going to be lit, and it's going to be – they're going to paint the town gold in in press gear, and it's going to be a a great game. And I think the Predators will get back into the series, but it's going to start tomorrow night. They got to get one game. That's all they got to get. Get tomorrow night's game, and then Monday night, game four, we can see where it goes from there. But you can't go down 0-3. You got to just get one, and that's going to happen tomorrow night. Ingy's going to get the Predators back based off the way they played last night. He gave up He gave up two goals, but he gave up the first one in the first five minutes, and then he basically shut them down over 50 shots until overtime. He is he is the man right now. If he can just hold serve for one game and UC Soros comes back for game four, then that series is going to take a turn. Because if UC comes back, they're going to win game four. And then we're going to be 2-2 going back to, uh, going back to Denver. Were you living in Nashville in 2017 when the Preds made the Stanley Cup? Yep, I was here. I was there. I was downtown. On Broadway, watching the game on Broadway. I tell you, Nashville does have passionate fans, the Titans, the Preds, and now the new Major League Soccer team, Nashville SC. They have that soccer-specific stadium they built, and it seats 30,000 fans. I heard that that was electric. 
Geodas Park was electric last Sunday when they opened it up. Nashville SC ended up with a tie, but that building, that venue was amazing from what I hear. It was electric in there, and everybody's looking forward to going on Sunday because they're having a they're playing a game on Sunday, which is a Mother's Day matinee. So everybody's looking forward to going back on Sunday to watch them play again. But is there a rivalry between Memphis and Nashville? Are there people living in Memphis who are Titans fans, Preds fans, and Nashville SC? So it's it, I wouldn't say it's more of a rivalry. It's just like you you root for the team that's right there in your backyard. Like Memphis, they're always going to be Grizzlies fans. Are there Preds fans in Memphis? Yeah, there's some down there, but are they diehard Preds fans? Not really. I'm in Nashville. I'm not really a, a hockey fan when I first got here, but I go to games and I've actually become a diehard Preds fan. I watch the Titans. I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, but I watch the Titans. I keep up with them because they're right here. I'm a Grizz fan because that's the hometown team, but I'm more of a Memphis Tigers fan because they were there longer. I support all the teams, but if I had, if it, you know, if it's got Memphis on it, I'm repping Memphis Grizzlies, Memphis Tigers all day. And when I'm here, you know, I wear my Preds gear. I wear my Titans gear. But when the Cowboys come to town uh, later on this year for the, uh, to play the Titans, I'm going to be at the game, but I'm going to be in my Cowboys gear. I'm going to be sitting with my Cowboys fans. But the next time the Titans have a game and I go, I'll be there repping the Titans. But I think, I think if you do this, if you took the Preds and you put them in Memphis, Memphis fans would be diehard Preds fans. If you took the Grizzlies and put the Grizzlies in Nashville, Nashville fans would be diehard Grizzly fans. So it's not it's not really a rivalry, like, per se. I think the rivalry is Memphis and Nashville just a city. Like, there's more to do in Nashville than there is to do in Memphis. Bill Street is not as big as Broadway in Nashville. But as far as the sports, the sports landscape goes, they're they're repping, they're representing all the Tennessee teams. All right. And now switching gears, of course, Gabe, you know that this is a local podcast to Columbus, Georgia. I just want to say a big shout out to our alma mater, the Freed Harmon Lady Lions softball team as they are getting closer and closer to punching their ticket to a date with destiny in Columbus, Georgia for the NAIA world series. I will be at that game. I can promise you that if they get to the NAIA world series, remember they had a 45 and three record head coach, Todd Humphrey won coach of the year in the mid South conference. And I think it's inevitable. I think the freed Harmon lady line softball team gets to Columbus for the NAIA world series. 45 and 3, that's 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 not an easy task to do right there. Um, if they get there, hey, once you get you get through whatever you gotta get through to get there, and then when you get there, you throw the records out the window and you just play. That double elimination tournament is gonna be something. But for the uh Lady Lions to have home field advantage in their uh regionals and hopefully the super regionals, that's gonna be big for them. Teams gotta come to Henderson, Tennessee. And they, they have that goal of getting to Columbus. They want to get to that World Series. And they want to bring a national title back home to Henderson, Tennessee. 
I cannot wait. I will definitely be there. The NAIA World Series will be at the Softball Commons Complex in Columbus, Georgia, from May 26th through June the 1st. Of course, on May 28th, I'm calling a Columbus Lions game. Hey, Freed Harmon might be playing the same time as I'm calling a Lions game at the Civic Center. So I might have to swing by before game time and just check them out. And uh, Coach Todd Humphrey would be a nice little reunion as I – yeah, I ran into him back in February when they were there for a softball tournament. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that, and y'all talked about you know him getting back down there, and uh, and you would be there to support. That'd be a great, a great deal. It'd be a booking, like, hey, you were there for the, the beginning of the tournament uh, when they played in the regular season, and then you're there for them to watch them win, possibly and potentially a national championship. Absolutely, and of course tonight. The Southern States Athletic Conference, the conference that Faulkner is in, Columbus is hosting their tournament, and Faulkner is in the semifinals. And first pitch will be at 6 p.m. tonight. Hopefully, I could run into Coach McCarthy. I don't know if you remember Coach McCarthy. He coached baseball at Freed Harmon as well. He led the Faulkner Eagles to an NAIA World Series in 2013. It'll be a nice little reunion. I'm wondering if he'll remember me. Everybody knows you, Rich. Everybody knows you. He'll remember you. Oh, you call, of course. You call some of those. You call some of those games when he was there. I, I remember you joining me up in the booth. Yep. So he he'll remember you. Trust oh, me. I miss I miss those days. Uh, yeah, those were some great times. Um, just good luck to the Faulkner Eagles. You know, my wife went there. I mean, she supports Faulkner. I mean, I support Faulkner when they're not playing Freed Harmon. I, I see a rivalry between these two schools, you know, schools of the same Christian faith. And, of course, you know, we have a little bit of bragging rights anytime Freed Harmon plays Faulkner. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a house divided, but it's, 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 not, it's all love. It's not a love-hate. It's all love. We just, we just want to see our alma maters do well. We want to see our, our teams win. And we just, you know, going back and supporting uh, our alma maters and supporting these student athletes. That's all we want to do. And of course, Gabe, you know that I'm I'm covering the Columbus Chattahoots, which is the collegiate Woodbat Summer League team here in Columbus, Georgia. One of their pitchers, this will be a nice icebreaker. One of their pitchers plays for Union University, which used to be Free Harmon's biggest rival until they moved to NCAA Division II. And if I do get him on the podcast or something, I'll just uh, ask, I know that Union doesn't play Free Harmon anymore, and he probably doesn't even know about that rivalry, but it'd be a nice little icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he's heard about it, but they don't play. I wish they still did, I but know. it'd be a good it'd be a good icebreaker for him. Well, get this, Gabe. Uh, somebody I know from the military, he went to college at, get this, Lambeth University. You remember okay. that school? Yep. Now the now University of Memphis at Jackson, and then uh, of course our photographer um, Matt Austin, who uh, takes pictures for the Columbus Rapids. He went to school at Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga, NAIA school that no longer exists. I mean, we we have these schools, and we're proud of our NAIA schools, and we have a great alumni and fan base, and just I really appreciate you know you just taking the time and just being on the podcast and. Kind of taking a little stroll down memory lane as we we had a lot of great memories at Freed Hardman. Man, Freed Hardman was some of the was one of the best times in my life. Uh, with with you know athletics, with the people, uh, just it gave me a it gave me a a, a vision and a voice to where I am now. And also kind of like 
got me started in my coaching career, coaching intramurals. Yeah. yeah I do remember you were a coach for intramurals. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was a, that was where I got my first started coaching with uh tri Zeta the, on the, on the girl side. And then, tr- then coaching, uh, uh, five cap alpha, uh, intramural football. I do remember you were in Tri Zeta because I went to their mixer. Uh, you, of course, you were at Freed Harmon a year before I was. I went to their mixer and I chose Simu. But uh, do you remember a guy we went to Freed Harmon with? He is very famous in Memphis. I'm talking about Chris Vernon, host of the Chris yep. Vernon Show on Grind City Media. Yep, I remember Chris. Oh, man, I tell you, because we had some broadcasting classes together. I listen to his show because that's where I get a lot of my Grizzlies info. Uh-huh. I'm just going to say this right now. He is a star. And when it comes to sports broadcasting and with his show and the way he runs that show, he is a star in Memphis. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows him. He started off. He, he got he, he had to cut his teeth in uh, down there. You know, he got he got a little bit of heat. He got some hate. I think he's found his niche working with Grind City Media, working with the Grizzlies. He's where he he's he's found his true calling. He started off at uh, Sports Talk Radio at uh, WHBQ fifty six in Memphis, uh, and then when ESPN um, ESPN Memphis Radio got there, he his his view he went over there for a little bit, and then he kind of tailored off as a sideline reporter for the Grizzlies to where he is now. So he's actually uh, doing a lot with Grind City Media. Uh, the last time I was at the Grizzlies game, I actually uh, stood behind the uh, Valley Sports desk uh, in the window. And during a commercial break, uh, I kind of yelled in and was like, Chris, we went to free Gabe Reynolds. And he was like, he can't, he remember, he, it took him a minute, but he remembered who I was and came out. We dapped it up chatted for a little bit and then he got back on the air that is a great story Gabe I did reach out to one of his co-hosts John Roser uh just to you know Chris is very hard to get a hold of and just wanted to let him know that I was back in broadcasting and really I think of him as somebody that I wanted to imitate you know he had his late night talk show I wanted to have a late night talk show and I wanted to call games with him of course when by the time I got to calling games he was already doing internships and he was moving on to bigger, better things. But, you know, I looked at my broadcasting career and I saw where he was going and I consider him, you know, just a role model. I mean, no, we didn't have the greatest of relationship when we were at Freed Harbor. We weren't the best of friends, but I considered him a colleague and I considered him a talent. That's what it's about in this business. He was definitely strong minded, but it, it's taken him. A, it's taken him a lot of places. He can he's, he's rough with a lot of feathers. Uh, that's just his personality. Even when he was in uh Sigma Row, when he was in Sigma Row, he was you know he he ruffled a lot of feathers on campus. But you can't deny what he does. His talent is is, is above above everything. So he 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 he's cut like I said, he's cut his teeth, he's paid his dues, and to see where he is now, I'm just very proud of. Him. Proud of you too, man. Because like you getting back into broadcasting and doing your podcast, and now you got a sponsorship. You know, your sponsorship with Ivy Park, Sports Bar and Grill, like you're 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 on your way. You're getting there. So, you know, hey, that that it's good to look at Chris and try to follow that blueprint, but I'm proud of you for blazing your own path and doing it the way that you're doing it. I do appreciate that, Gabe. And it, as always, I mean, 
this is the first time since I've done this podcast in two years where people are reaching out to me, asking me to be a guest on the podcast. So I have actually a pretty good problem to have. I actually have more guests that want to come on this show than I have shows. And that's why I'm airing Saturday shows or multiple shows with multiple guests. It, and it's a good problem to have. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what you want. You, you're, growing, you're growing your podcast. You're growing your fan base. And who knows? That the what you're doing with the Columbus uh the Columbus Rapids may lead to something bigger and better down the line. And I know it's a reach, and one of the reasons why I reached out to John Roser, I mean, you know him Chris always introduces him in the beginning of his show. He has so much chemistry with his team. It's just so amazing. I, I love his show. I'm like a fan of his show now because I listen to it like especially with the Grizzlies in the playoffs, so I can get all my information. I know it's a reach. But I reached out to his co-worker, his, his broadcast partner, John Roser, that there might be a possibility that if he wants to get on the podcast, I would be okay with it. But that would be amazing just to go back and forth with Chris Vernon and just talk about how our broadcasting careers at Freed Harmon and where it led to, where both of us, where it led. I think that's something, you know, just put it out there and see, see if he's willing to do it. Of course, I'm going to have uh, a former Florida State wide receiver Jarman Fortson on the podcast next week. He currently is wide receiver slash defensive back for the Columbus Lions. Uh, last week, I had Jack Patterson, sports anchor of WRBL, Zach DeBozart, the play-by-play announcer for the Columbus River Dragons, and I had a longtime sports anchor in Columbus since 1985, Dave Plata. I've had quite the guest list. And I know that it is continuing to grow, especially when I have – I really want to get Isaiah Crowell. He played uh, football in Columbus. Of course, he played running back for the Jets and the Browns. Very big icon in Columbus, and and that's kind of reached out to him as well. And so, you know, if it happens, it happens. I, I just – sometimes you got to reach for the stars, and maybe you might get lucky. True. I mean, every you know, it, it, everybody got to have a dream. It all starts with a dream, and that dream is gonna is gonna become a reality. And you just gotta keep pushing, gotta keep grinding, gotta keep working. Don't let anybody deter the dream. Like my dream is still to be a collegiate basketball coach. Not letting nobody deter my dream. Oh, Gabe, I I think you would be an amazing collegiate basketball coach. Even if, even if it, you, I mean, are you looking at like maybe getting your start at like JUCO or D three, D two? Whoever will give me a chance. That's all I've been asking for. I just want a chance. Gabe, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. And as always, look forward to hearing from you soon. Sounds good. I love to be back. All right, that was Gabe Reynolds. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. And once again, thank you for liking and subscribing to my Facebook channel. Don't forget, we're on every platform of social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Not on TikTok yet. But hope everybody has a great weekend, and we will talk to you Monday. Bye. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor. 
Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.